Hey, this is Justin Barrett, the voice of Jacques Brunet from Treasure in the Royal Tower, and you are listening to the River Heights Buzz Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the River Heights Buzz Podcast. This is episode 120. We're your hosts. I'm Alexa. And I'm Candice. And as you can probably tell, we have a special guest with us today who's been on with me before, but not with Candace. Welcome back, Salsa. Oh my gosh, she's back, back, back again. Thank you all for having me. Happy New Year and super super pumped to talk about the book <laughs> yeah it's a good one today we are talking about mystery story digest number 128 treasure in the royal tower now if our listeners remember we did talk about the game which i'll probably link that game so you can go back and listen to that and see all the similarities which there's a lot <laughs> there's I a think, lot versus the game and the book Mm -hmm. so all right there's not really any newsy stuff well i mean no at first but then we just right before we started recording uh we got a message on our river heights buzz instagram from the herner active pc game instagram saying that they now have a discord server yep. so that's cool mm-hmm Yep. So, I mean, we literally got the message like 10 minutes ago. So um, if we can link that, I think we will. Um, and I, I plan on on hopping in and seeing what's going on. So well, check it out and see what it's all about. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I think that's it. All right. I will read a description and we can get started. Sounds good. Awesome. The description says, a winter vacation in Wisconsin promises plenty of skiing, skating, and snowmobiling. But soon after their arrival at the Butter Ridge Ski Resort, Nancy, Bess, and George find that a different kind of sport comes first, and it's an exercise in fear. Wickford Castle, the main lodge, is full of spine-tingling surprises and strange secrets. Originally from France and rebuilt in Wisconsin, the castle holds a mystery over two centuries old, rumor of a hidden treasure. Seeking the haunting truth, Nancy is drawn into a maze of concealed corridors, dead-end doorways, and shadowy staircases. She quickly learns that whether or not the treasure exists, the dangers are definitely real. And the it was first published December 1st, 1995. Mm. Okay. So I, I have to ask this question, Alexa. Um, as most of our listeners know, Alexa lives in Canada. Yep. And so I have to ask, have you ever done like skiing or snowboarding or anything like that? Nope. Okay. I, I never have either. I feel like I don't have like any kind of coordination. So I feel like I would fall a lot. Yeah. I don't know if 
Like I would, but you know, you never know. <laughs> like I went um, skating the first time, first and only time in like fifth grade. And uh, my butt became very well acquainted with the rink. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't do anything. I mean, it was just a nightmare. I've gone ice skating, but it's been a long time since I went. But I've never went skiing or snowboarding. Okay. What about Celsa? I'm Puerto Rican, so. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh huh. Um. So I'm exempt from from any of those sports. Um. Ironically, yeah. I I I don't I drink tires and I used to do it but couldn't accomplish that. <laughs> um, my significant other, he's from Montreal, but he cannot do any. He doesn't do any women's sports, so I'm a novice at all of this. So I was really interested in seeing how they would describe the different types of winter sports, um, just because I really I'm really ignorant to all of it. <laughs> yeah, it it is pretty interesting the way that they describe it all and like where I'm at in America. I live in Kentucky. Um, so we get snow, but not like crazy amounts of snow, but there are places close by, like in Indiana that have like their winter sports areas, but it's like fake snow, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's that kind of thing. I feel like if I was going to do one of them, I feel like I would probably do skiing because you have the poles to help you keep your balance and stuff. And I feel like I'd have better luck than trying to just keep my balance just using my body like on a snowboard (laughs) i like with the snowboard you would probably fall more often possibly i think so yeah i think so for sure (laughs) but oh my gosh oh well i think with the snow even though i think you're relying on the snowmobile too much. I'm, I just don't know. I just, I like a lot of hand-eye coordination and my basic motor skills are basic. So. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Okay. Well, are we ready to dive in? Yep. Okay. Yes. And Celsa, feel free to jump in whenever you have something to add to the story. Okay. Okay, Nancy, Bess, and George are, like Alexis said, heading to Wisconsin for a ski vacation in a place called Butter Ridge uh, at a place called Wickford Castle. They arrive, and one of the first things that they notice is that one of the towers doesn't match the others. They meet the owners, Mark and Christy Lane, and uh, like a handyman, maintenance guy, Dexter Egan. There are other people at the lodge. Um, kind of like the people that were in the game, Lisa Ostrom and Professor Hotchkiss. But in the book, Professor Hotchkiss is a man. And he's actually awake during the day and not just witching hour from 3 to 6 (laughs) a.m. Don't mind me. I'm just going to mention random game stuff throughout the episode because I actually did play the game after reading the book because I've just like, I wanted to relive that kind of thing you know <laughs> it's it's a good one it's a good game yeah you definitely need to when you post this episode link our episode on the game yeah for sure oh, go ahead salsa um, um just real quick and uh did you find that the differences like between the game and the book were 
because I actually haven't played the game. Um, if you find the differences between the game and the book to be too like extremely significant, or did you think, or did you have a preference for one or the other? To me personally, they are so similar. There are just a very few minute differences that are small enough that it really doesn't make a difference. They're both very strong. If only one existed, either one would be a good option. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there are slight differences, and there's a little more detail in the book, but both both options are solid. Excellent. Thank you. Do you agree with that, Alexa? Yes. Okay. So the girls get to their room, and they start to unpack, and Nancy realizes that she needs her sleep goggles. So she and George go downstairs to the lockers and get them, and then they start kind of exploring a little bit. And they end up finding an elevator. But I will while say. On, oh, go ahead. Keep going and then I'll mention it. I after. was just going to say, while they were looking around, <laughs> Nancy thought that she heard footsteps. Which is true. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> One difference I noticed, obviously, between the book and the game. Nancy in the game, by herself. Mm-hmm. Single bed in the room. Dresser, all that stuff. Book, mm-hmm. she's with Bess and George. And it's two beds in the room. I'm assuming a larger room, too, because there's three of them. Mm -hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you know how when you play the games and they have where you can do like a little tutorial to kind of familiarize yourself with like the controls and stuff? Is it not that hotel room that they use even in games before this game came out? Is it? Does that make sense? The way that I said that, I think it does. But I have this yes, memory. <laughs> I have this memory in my head of oh my doing the tutorial when I first started playing the games. My first ever game was the second game, Stay Tuned for Danger. And I'm almost positive that the little tutorial where they show you like how to move around the room, how to click on things, all that. I'm almost positive it's that room. Almost could positive. be. Which I think is interesting because obviously this was game number four. So it's like they already had renderings of this before that game even came out. It's possible. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, that's just, you know, one of the random things that sticks out in my brain. And I have a question. (laughs) Okay. Did Nancy and George go through the elevator shaft and find the library see no that was one of the things that i really enjoyed about the game was having to sneak into the library that way but how that's still a question how in the heck did no one hear nancy go through the ventilation shaft with all that noise i don't know because it's very loud and where does that random, remember the tunnel halfway through to the left or right, whichever direction you go, where does that lead to? I don't know. And all the rooms in the basement in the game, are those just like the rooms where the staff live? That's what I assumed. Maybe some storage, maybe some offices. That way they're kind of not on like the main level. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what I thought. Maybe. And I, it's so funny at work, I work in a a really tall building 
and I work on the fourth floor. So I have to ride an elevator to get to my office and they're working on the elevators. And like when you peek in between like the elevator shaft, like the where you go in the elevator and the wall, they have a light on. And so you can see kind of down in there and like I can hear people talking and stuff and it makes me think of this game. I don't know about either of you, but ever since I played this game the first time and Nancy has to go through the ceiling up into like the empty shaft area, do either of you look for that when you go in an elevator to see an emergency exit that way? Oh, 100%. I do that every time now. Yeah, 100%. I would never be able to reach it because I'm short. Um, And all the elevators that I go in are tall. And there's no way to climb up. But yeah, no, that's definitely something that I always look for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. George and Nancy decide that they want to try riding up in the elevator back up to the third floor where they're staying. And everything's going okay at first, but then they get stuck between floors. Which is like a movie style thing. Yeah, like literally that's one of my nightmares. Because I feel like if that ever happened to me, knock on wood, I hope it never happens. But I feel like my luck, I would have to pee. And I'd be stuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that would just be my luck. Yeah, and imagine if, obviously, you would have to pee. But I would go to the next level and have to poo. That would be even worse, I think. Oh, my God. I cannot. I cannot imagine. Because that literally would be my luck. Or make it even worse have to do a number three which is diarrhea oh my god uh, oh an emergent like i'm sorry I, this just went really gross really fast it did but it did but honestly it's so true like i i have stomach issues like i have ibs irritable bowel syndrome sorry listeners i'm sure this is more than you ever wanted to know about me but that is always a real concern you know, like, uh, it's the worst. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would not like that, honestly. No. no. Nancy and George climb out the top of the elevator and are able to jump to the third floor. So not only would I not be able to climb out, but I sure as heck would not be able to jump between floors. That floor. Mm-mm. Like not even, and it wasn't even that far in the game. It was like probably less than a foot, but up like that, I no. feel like a trip. And like, just like yeah, I feel like even for me too, I would just go falling right down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I obviously don't want that to happen, obviously, but yeah, I'm not as like Nancy. You know what I mean? She's like yeah. a lot more athletic than I am. It's true. It's true. After the girls climb out of the elevator, they all go to dinner and we meet a couple other characters that are not in the game. Uh, We meet a Dr. Alvarez and her daughter, Meg, which I kind of wish they had been in the game because I feel like they didn't have a huge role in the book. And I feel like it wouldn't have been that tough to add them in. Yeah. You know, In in the game, does Nancy get injured like she does later on in the book kind of yes but it's a little bit different okay because i i mean because i know that um 
not spoil anything, but I know that's like her big Dr. Al, one of Dr. Alvarez's um, big moments is when she comes to look at Nancy's um, leg. Yes. Yeah. Nancy does get hurt, but not in that way. It's a bit different. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, you know, as, as Nancy usually does in the game, she does not get any medical treatment. <laughs> Nancy, go see a doctor. Honestly. She's kind of, you know, gets knocked out, just shakes it off, rubs some dirt in it, keeps going. Normal day for her. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> another day. Another day on the job. We also meet Jacques Brunet, who is the ski instructor that all the girls will be taking ski lessons from. I will say, if you uh, remember, listeners, I actually got to talk to the voice actor who did Jacques Brunet. And as soon as I uploaded that image, people are like, he looks exactly like the character. <laughs> he does. <laughs> so I might include that interview too. Yeah, you definitely should. Cause that was pretty recent. Yeah. Uh, Mark Lane, who, like I said, was one of the owners of the castle, gives some history and talks about what's known as the queen's tower and how Marie Antoinette supposedly visited it and left something that she wasn't able to get before she was executed. Take off with her head. Literally. Okay. One of the things that um, they also mention is the fact that Wickford is kind of like an odd character. So, like, he just would build, like, these random hallways with, like, stairs and landings that led nowhere. So, mm -hmm. it's um, it's a very eccentric castle. Uh, and apparently, like, there's no purpose for them. They're just, they're just there. Yeah. <laughs> the same in yeah. the game, too. Yeah, which makes me wonder, like, how much money did this guy have in order to just build nonsense things like that and it not be a big deal? I love how in the game... Sorry, self, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was thinking of the house that, like, Sarah Winchester had built, like, the uh -huh. one that had, like, all of these... Like, it was never, like, completed, um, and it just goes on and on. So that's, like, the reference that I got when I read that part. I'm sorry, Alexa. It's okay. <laughs> um, I love how in the game... Professor Hotchkiss obviously obsessed with Marie Antoinette. She's literally just down the hall from that room with Marie's picture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, looking at my notes. Okay, so Mark and Christy decide that they are now going to show off the library, which came from the same English chateau. But when they all walk into the library, it's been vandalized. And there's a hole gouged in the wall, and there are books everywhere, and it's just completely torn apart. Like the game. Yes. So, after the initial shock, Mark and Christy decide to lock up the library and call the police. The girls convince Nancy to talk to Mark and Christy about potentially investigating, and they gladly accept the help. Nancy then asks about the elevator, and they said that it should be in working order, but that Christy will take a look at it. After that conversation, they decide to go and look at the elevator, and Nancy sees that the switch is actually turned off. Dun, 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 dun. Sabotage. <laughs> yes, meaning someone was there and turned it off. Which is the footsteps Nancy heard. Exactly, so it all makes mm -hmm. sense. Another thing sure. that they do say, I don't know if this is what you were going to say next, I'm sorry, but um, nope. they do tell Nancy that this isn't the first time that it's happened. Right. It's a recurring thing. Right. They're about to head upstairs when they see Meg, 
who is nervous about going to bed since her mom had already gone up about an hour prior to that. The girls uh, walk in, uh, run into Lisa and they all kind of chat and they all go upstairs to their rooms. Everyone gets ready for bed. Nancy's having a hard time sleeping, but then is woken up by some thudding sounds and she gets the others awake so that they can go and investigate. And they go down a dead end corridor, but they hear echoing sounds on the other side of the wall. They go back to sleep, kind of try to put it out of their minds. Next day, the girls have their first skiing lesson with Jock. He spent an hour with both groups working on the skills that they all individually needed help with. And as Nancy and Bess were skiing, they saw Dexter going into a shed that probably has the ski lift machinery in it. That reminds me of the game almost, you know, mm-hmm. like all the mechanisms and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty similar. Afterward, the girls went to see Christy to see what happened with the police and they didn't find much searching the library and they weren't even sure that it was a robbery. Really? I mean, here's the thing, okay? There's still vandalism that happened, whether anything was stolen or not. There is a hole gouged in the wall. Mm-hmm. There is still a crime. Yep. Now, I will say there is some blame on Mark and Christy for not having an inventory of what is in there, but still. There's never mention of an alarm system, is there? I don't think. No. No. Only the security cameras that show the uh, the gate. And that's all that they mention. Yeah. Yeah. Like they really should have some kind of like alarm or cameras or something throughout the castle, you know, just for like safety reasons like this. You know? Yeah. 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 It's definitely a liability. And I feel like with a library that's as old and historic as that one is, it doesn't make sense to not have that. Like you're just asking for trouble. And anyone could duplicate a key. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just shocking, like almost um, where when they're, you know, when Nancy's talk, when she's asking them about it, and they're like, oh, you know, something could be missing and we wouldn't even know. And I know one of the things that they talk about is the fact that they haven't been able to do more because of expenses. So it's weird that something that would seem to be of such value that they would just kind of be like, eh. yeah. Yeah, because I, I know. <laughs> I'm sure that it's very expensive to run a place like that, but I feel like there are certain things like a historic library that should probably take precedence over certain other things. Because that's just me. I mean, I feel like when you have something like that, then you're not necessarily just drawing in people for the winter sports. You could be drawing in history buffs. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it all goes back to trying to make money running a business. Yeah. But, you know, what do I know? Christy lets Nancy have the key so that she can go into the library and search for clues. And then Nancy asks for a little more information on Dexter. He's not quite as flushed out of a character in the book as he is in the game. Yeah. Yeah, he has a much bigger story arc in the game. And it's actually really, really interesting to kind of watch it unfold. I'm going to have to play the game because I felt like they were just like, well, we don't really know much about him. He's just kind of, you know, you're just here. He came with the castle. Yeah. No, we get, you get 
a lot more information about him in the game. So I definitely recommend playing in the game. It's a good one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the girls go into the library and they start kind of looking around and they see that most of the books are in French, including one in particular that happens to be about Marie Antoinette. So Nancy decides that she's going to take it back to the room and she realizes that someone is hiding behind a curtain listening to them. Who is the mystery person? We'll find out later. <laughs> but thankfully, like I said, Nancy realizes someone's there and she has the kind of wherewithal to change the subject, not give away any good information. So they talk about skiing and, you know, this and that, and they pretend to leave, but then hide. Won't there be scuffling noises if they went to go hide? I mean, if you're really careful about picking your feet up and not shuffling your feet, maybe it can be quiet enough. I guess it also is going to depend on the kind of flooring. If it's hardwood, that's harder to mask the sound. If it's carpet, it's not quite as hard. Yeah. So don't really have the full story of that. But, I mean, I know I'm bad about shuffling my feet and not even realizing it. And it seems like there's more furniture in the book than there is in the game. Yeah, it's much more wide open in the game. And yeah, I agree with you. Kind of the way that I, when I read the book, the way I see it in my brain, it seems a lot more filled with stuff. Furniture, armchairs, more bookshelves, stuff like that. Yeah. After a while, a person comes out from behind the curtain and looks around, even walks up to the hole in the wall, kind of looks around, sticks their arm in there, trying to feel for something. As the person is leaving, Nancy is finally able to see that it's Dexter. Not feeling too good about him right now. The girls play it smart, wait a little bit until they're sure the coast is clear, and then they're able to leave. So they head back to the office, and Mark is there, and they give him the key back and ask about Dexter. Nancy still wants to keep her cover, so she tells him not to say anything about her investigating or about her being a detective. Trying to keep it under wraps makes everything much easier in the long run. The girls then head to their room, and Nancy begins to read the book on Marie, but she struggles with the language. Bess then suggests taking it to Professor Hotchkiss, but Nancy talks about how he's a suspect too, essentially. Because like, he's going to in Wisconsin when he can go skiing in Massachusetts. That was, that was the yeah. argument. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's a legitimate, you know, thought. Like, if you live in New England where skiing is plentiful in the winter, why are you going to travel several hundred, even maybe more than that, miles to another state to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I understand how at that point, everyone's a suspect. And Bess and George at different points are like, these people can't be suspects. That's not possible. I'm like, hello. I'm sorry. <laughs> freaking idiots. They can be. Yeah. Like, sorry, Bess and George, but you need to include everybody in suspects, not just nobody. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, yeah, it's Jock, too, because, you know, Bess 
Bess has got her little girly crush on him and doesn't want to think of him possibly being responsible. And we've seen that a few times with George and some of the other books we've done. So we have, we have, which has been very weird every time that we've read it because we're not used to seeing George kind of fangirling with the boys. Yeah. That was different for me because in the when the books I usually read, you know, she's one, not really one of the guys, but she's much more tomboyish and, you know, ready yep. to, you know, she's Nancy's muscle <laughs> in a lot of the books. So to see her, like, be interested in, like, you know, anybody really, like, you know, to express that level of interest. I, that was a detail that I made a note of. I was like, oh, that's the best being, like, fawning all over Jacques. I was like, oh, typical best. Carry on, best. Carry on. <laughs> yep, for sure. <laughs> All of a sudden, the girls hear what sounds like another girl calling for help out in the hallway. So they take off to investigate, and they find Lisa trapped in a doorway that had stairs leading nowhere. Okay. Yeah. Around that time, Dr. Alvarez, Meg, and Professor Hotchkiss come out to see what all the fuss is about. And then here comes Dexter, and he thankfully has an extra key because, I mean, he's kind of the resident handyman maintenance guy. And Mark and Christy come to see what was going on, and they apologize to Lisa. Basically, her story was she wanted to get a picture of the slopes at night for this article that she's writing. And she says that she always does her own photos, which, I mean, okay. I mean, I guess that's a legitimate enough story. So... When they said that the key was just in the lock, just sitting there, mm-hmm. that is asking for anyone to steal it. Yeah. Like, why would you leave that in there? Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, also begs the question, why would somebody want to just take a key that only is going to work for that lock? But some people will just take stuff just to take stuff. Yeah. You know? Not a good idea to just have it laying around there. No. Mark tells Dexter to take the lock off the door so that something like this doesn't happen again. Everyone kind of calms down, goes back to bed. Next day, girls are out skiing again, but the snow is really starting to come down. And they see a bunch of snowmobiles and someone in a black snowsuit. So after a while, the girls decide to go inside and change their gear and come back and do some snowmobiling. The person that they saw earlier was gone. So Nancy then notices that the person is now looking like they're pulling on something on the outside of the Queen's Tower. And right around that time, George yells for Nancy, blowing her cover, because at least at that point, the person didn't realize that Nancy was there watching. And the person takes off running. Before getting away on the snowmobile, they knock another snowmobile on Nancy, so she's trapped, and the person gets away. So it sounds like the keys were just left in the ignitions of these snowmobiles. And that's another thing that seems like an accident waiting to happen, like it just did, mm-hmm. and snowmobiles can get stolen. Uh-huh. And like... people get hurt. I mean, there, there are a lot of different things that could happen in that kind of scenario. It's definitely not a good idea to just leave the keys there i I think there needs to be a rental kind of situation even if it doesn't cost any money but like you check out this particular snowmobile so this snowmobile is connected to your name if something happens to it then you're responsible it almost seems like to me it should be doesn't it yeah 
it speaks to their inexperience as like owners i feel like don't i mean like it's like i don't know like leaving that random lock there and then the snowmobiles and it's just like yeah (laughs) i don't know like maybe hire someone with jacques like in the ski rental area where it could be like ski rentals snowmobile rentals all that stuff kind of in the same area so then people can be like hey kind of like what you were saying candace like have one spot these two things are connected yeah and people are like just write your name down be like you have this amount of time with the snowmobile before you have to bring it back yeah so yeah i mean it would be a very easy way to keep track of everything and that's like these are all things that can be a liability uh-huh so 100 percent absolutely The girls get the snowmobile off of Nancy, and then George takes off after the person. Bess helps Nancy up, and Nancy tells her exactly what she saw, and she realizes that this person dropped something in the snow, and so she goes to pick it up, and it's a key, which very well could be the key that locked Lisa in that little hallway. So this part confused me. when Obviously, Bess is with Nancy. Mm -hmm. I thought that Bess took Nancy inside. I thought so too, but then I guess she kind of just put her like on a bench, maybe outside of the door. Yeah. Cause that's what I thought too at first, but then it was like, then later on they help her inside. And I'm like, did I read that wrong? (laughs) I know. (laughs) That was kind of weird. Yeah. Not quite as clear as it could have been. They go over to the Queen's Tower and they see where whoever this person was, um, was like picking at the stone, trying to maybe figure out if there's like an entrance or an exit there. Nancy tries to get it open, but it doesn't work, which really isn't that surprising. Bess decides to go get Dr. Alvarez and Nancy tells her to find out if that key works in the lock where Lisa got locked. After a while, George comes back, couldn't find this person. Again, not surprising. She helps Nancy inside, and as Nancy's filling her in on what happened, Professor Hotchkiss comes in, wearing a black snowsuit. Out of witching hour. Yeah, again. (laughs) (laughs) So, not feeling too good about Professor Hotchkiss in this moment. Which, in the game, she's totally innocent. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. She's, She's so wonderfully weird in the game, like, oh. Oh, the sweet smell of fried chicken. Yeah. She's got some really good. <sighs> she really does. And she needs her couscous, like couscous too. <laughs> yep. I think the game fleshes out these minor characters a little. Based on like on what you guys have told me, it sounds like the game fleshes out these minor characters a little bit better than the book does, unfortunately. Absolutely, they do. Which is interesting because you would think it would be flip-flopped. You would think that you would have more agency to get into deeper detail in a book, but no, it's a lot more detailed in the game. <laughs> so another reason you need to play that one. <laughs> it's super good. They asked Professor Hotchkiss if he was around the snowmobiles, and he said yes, but no one else was around there when he left or when he dropped the vehicle back off. Soon as Dr. Alvarez comes, he kind of hightails it out of there, which is super suspicious, but okay. 
Dr. Alvarez says that Nancy has a bad bruise and she needs to take it easy and get lots of rest. So the girls help her upstairs and they look at some blueprints that they had borrowed from the remodel that Mark and Christy had done, which it wasn't the entire blueprint, but I mean, you know, it's better than nothing. They start hearing the thudding sound again. Nancy is good and stays behind, but she sends Bess and George out to investigate. <laughs> so while they're gone, Nancy figures out how to get into the tower. So see, there's a silver lining for her getting hurt. She like, does it need to take her to get hurt this bad to actually just sit and relax in air quotes? Yeah. It does. Yes. Like every time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> she's she nothing. She has she's got things yeah. to do always. Yep. And yeah. uh is rest that, and relaxation is not part of it. She's almost like a kid. She can't sit still. No, yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> true. The girls come back, and it was just like last time. They get to that wall. They can hear noises on the other side. That's about it. But Nancy tells them what she's learned, so then they decide to head for the basement. They get there and are able to eventually get into the Queen's Tower. They climb the steps, end up in this beautiful golden room, and there, with a hammer in his hand, is Jock. Bonjour, Mr. Brunet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, he, of course, is surprised to see them and asks what they're doing there. And Nancy said, investigating for Mark and Christy, try to figure out what's going on, who messed up the library, etc. He goes into this full story about his great-grandfather being the master carpenter who dismantled the tower for Ezra Wickford after he went to France. He mentions letters that had been tucked away in the room that were wrapped in a pink ribbon. And on his great-grandfather's deathbed, he told this story to Jacques. So Jacques made it his mission to find these letters. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. okay. You know, like... I feel like it's a fine line because it's like, okay, so it's part of your family's story that you're banking on being 100% true, which you don't really know if it's true. But if these letters do exist, I mean, this is a historical find for your country. So it's like, you don't have any right to it. I understand why you want to search. You want to kind of finish what your great-grandfather started, but do you have any right to do it? And it's almost like he's, like, breaking property. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, he didn't have permission. No one knew what he was doing. So he was and doing no one even know. didn't even know it was him. Yeah. So it's like... I see what you're trying to do, but you're going about it the wrong way. Yes. But be that as it may, he wants to restore the letters to France. Okay, admirable. But at this point, still can't fully believe anybody. Everybody is still a suspect. Nancy tells him that he needs to do the right thing. And tell Mark and Christy what he's doing. And so he says that he will do it the next day if the girls will go with him. And they agree. So they go to leave. And they've almost made it to the ground floor 
when George falls through one of the steps. And but and she lands on her feet like a cat. I'm just saying, depending on how far down that fall was, you can guarantee broken bones falling like that. Yeah. That's like, and Bess is, not Bess, George is like, yeah, it's, you know, sore feet. That's it. It's not normal. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not a thing, but okay. Yeah. So. And I've got a question for later at the end. Okay. And it's tie into the game too. <laughs> okay. So Nancy looks at the step and she sees that it's been intentionally cut. Go figure. I feel like that's always the scenario when something like this happens. So George is okay. She and Bess decide to go back up the stairs to warn Jacques, make sure, you know, he doesn't get hurt, that he knows it's there and can avoid it. So they leave and they run into Dexter, who immediately thinks that they're snooping. They are. I mean, you're not wrong, Dexter. Like, that's kind of what they were doing. But thankfully, Jacques comes up and saves the day and kind of cuts the awkwardness, which helps. The girls go back to their room for the night, kind of discussing where they're all at with the suspects. The next day, they meet with Jacques to go to Mark and Christie's office. <laughs> and Jacques is doing the right thing. He's doing what he said he would do. He's telling the whole story to Mark and Christie. But at the last second, Nancy realizes that someone is listening and has now heard the secret of the hidden letters. Why was the door open in the first place? That's my question. I mean, that's an excellent question. I don't know. Like, it should have been closed the whole time. Yep. And saying, like, <laughs> do not disturb. Yep. And then, of course, like, no one notices. Nancy's trying to tell Jacques to shut up. Sorry, it's true. But he yep. doesn't notice. He's just, like, going straight for the rest of the story. And yeah. no one notices when, like, that Nancy leaves and comes back. Yeah. Which, honestly, like, this scene reminds me of exactly the way that Jacques is in the game. So it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that he would get caught up in his own story and not realize that Nancy's like, stop talking. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I mean, it, it it's kind of true to his character in the game. Yeah. But... Nancy goes to look. She only sees someone getting down the hallway in shadow. Can't even tell if it's a man or a woman. Jacques finishes his story. Mark and Christy say he can keep searching, but to try to keep the noise down. Because that kind of solves that problem. They then decide to go eat breakfast. Jacques leaves to go and get prepared for the day's lessons. As they're getting food, Nancy notices that Professor Hotchkiss and Lisa are talking about Marie Antoinette. And when the professor notices Nancy heard, they kind of scooted closer together. So Nancy tried to act like she didn't hear anything. It was a very awkward non-exchange since they didn't talk. It was just very sus. And he, we'd ever see like any kind of dining room kitchen in the game. No. So I'm like, where do they eat? Like some random part of the castle that they don't get to explore? I guess. That's a good question. <laughs> Nancy tells the girls how someone has now overheard Jock's story. 
So Nancy tells the others, since Dr. Alvarez said that she needed to rest her leg that day, that she decided she was going to go shopping. So the girls end up deciding to take a break and join her as well. And they go into town and they find an old soda shop and they go in and they start talking to the woman behind the Mm -hmm. counter. She asks if they'd been to the resort and she starts talking about Dexter. Mm-hmm. We learn that he served <laughs> time in prison for Robert. So that's, that's what he was doing all those years when the castle was abandoned. Yeah. So he lied. He lied. Straight that's up. A, that's a big lie. And that was what I was wondering before earlier in the book. I'm like, what was, if he actually was taking care of the castle? Did he have another job? Like, what was he doing? Yeah, because it's like, how can you survive on no money? You can't. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. That that whole part wasn't really fleshed out, but you know. Oh well. After learning this, Nancy wonders what else he could be lying about. Because if you're willing to lie about the fact that you've served time. I mean, there must not be anything else that you wouldn't lie about. So later that evening, they get ready for the skating party that uh, Mark and Christy are throwing. And they go and have a great time. And Jacques and Meg are skating around to a darker part of the lake near some uh, thick wooded areas. And then he comes back alone and he starts skating with Bess. And then they all decide to take a break and warm up with some hot cider when they realize that Meg hasn't come back yet. And that's strange. Very strange. So they wait a little bit longer. Still no Meg. When they mention it and Jacques overhears, he says that he had left her near the woods. So that concerns Nancy. She takes off and she finds Meg unconscious on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Nancy calls for help and Dr. Alvarez gets Meg up. She's okay, but she has a bump on her head and no memory of what happened. They get her inside to rest and the girls decide to go back to that part of the pond to try to search for clues, but they don't find anything. It's a wooded area. It's dark. Not surprising. They don't find anything. So whoever... Like, how it's explained, it's like, they thought that whoever hit Meg, they couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. And so they thought that maybe they hit Jacques on the back of the head because Meg was wearing Jacques' hat. Correct. But I'm like, I guess either way, depending on how long Meg's hair is, it either she could have tucked it in the hat, make it look short like a man, or she could have had it out just like sticking at the bottom. So, like, we don't know. Or she could, if she had longer hair, have it tucked in her jacket. That, too. Because I've done that before. When I'm cold, uh, I'll just put my jacket all the way around me. And I tuck my hair because then it covers the back of my neck. Yeah. So that that could have been what she had yeah. done. Too. They decide to go in for the evening. And the next day, they all are back out on the slopes. Everyone is better. Everything's good. Nancy then sees Jacques and she gives him his hat back and he and asks if he saw anything since he had been skating with Meg and he says no. He wonders if maybe he was the target since, like you had said, Meg was wearing his hat. 
I mean, possibility. They ski all day. And after a while, Beth decides to go in because it's so cold. Understandable. I would do the same thing. Uh, George and Meg decide to go racing together. And Nancy heads for the chairlift. And she's going to go down the mountain one more time before calling it quits. The attendant tells her to tell the other attendant that she's the last skier of the day so that they can shut down the lift. Why did he not leave his shack open until Nancy got to the top? Because he straight up left. I know. Dangerous. Not smart. No. A liability. Mm -hmm. Say it all the time. Halfway up the mountain, she obviously gets stuck. And it's getting colder and colder by the minute. And it's slowly getting darker, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, just, you know, bad situation all the way around. Mm -hmm. She calls for help, but the wind is picking up. It's getting colder and colder. Nancy realizes she's going to have to make a decision and jump. Yeah. So, she says... She lands on the skis and is finally able to get her balance and stop herself. She had to throw her poles. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have that bravery. No, no. I mean, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't be as calm, first of all. No. Second of all, I feel like I, if I was in that situation and I tried to jump and I tried to land on the skis... I feel like my first instinct would be to try to, as soon as my feet hit the ground, try to land with my butt. But if you hit the wrong part, you could go sliding. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. The fact that she was able to stop herself, get balance, like, I mean, insane. Mm-hmm. Not out of the woods yet, because now she's going to have to get up the mountain to get back to the lodge. So she starts to take the skis off so that she can hike. When Gus, the dog that belongs to Mark and Christy, comes and essentially rescues her. Because then Ski Patrol shows up. They take her back to the castle. She's able to, you know, thaw out from being in the cold. And she tells everyone what happened. And Mark and Christy tell her that they're going to figure out why the lift was stopped. Liability right there when they should have already had people still at the equipment running it, making sure everyone was off. Yeah. I mean, freaking lawsuit city over there at Wickford Castle. I'm just saying. I feel like it's a lot more in the book than in the game. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Things go horribly wrong in the book. like So many times. Later that night... The girls discuss what happened and how it seemed that someone absolutely did that to Nancy on purpose. Um, Duh. Of course. Like, there's no way that that wasn't on purpose, but okay. So, they fall asleep. But Nancy is woken up by the sound of someone going through stuff in their room. Did they not lock the door? That's my question. Weird (laughs) stuff's going on. Why are you not locking your door? Like, that's what I do every day, every time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, rule number one, lock your door. Yeah. In the car, in your home, 
absolutely when you're staying in a room that you're not familiar with. Like, uh, okay. Nancy tries to go after the person, but they get away. Imagine that. So she comes back to Bess and George and she tells them what happened and she starts looking through her stuff. But Mm -hmm. at first it doesn't seem like anything's missing. Okay. Next morning they have breakfast. Mark comes to tell Nancy that he talked to the lift attendants and learned that someone else had said that they were the last skier and they were in front of Nancy. But once again, unclear if it's a man or a woman. Because of their outfit. Yes. All of a sudden, Nancy almost has like an epiphany and she realizes that something is missing from their room. The book on Marie Antoinette. They rush upstairs and realize, yeah, it's not in the room anymore. The mystery person took it. Yes. So now things are coming together fast. Nancy says, we got to get to the tower. Like, now. They get there. They kind of listen in. They don't necessarily hear anybody. They eventually notice a door, which is probably where the person in the black snowsuit from earlier was trying to get into the tower from the outside. They get into the gold room. Jacques' stuff is there from earlier. But something seems off. Why didn't he take his stuff with him? I assume it was just because he was going down there every free chance that he got. And it just made sense to leave stuff in there because no one else in theory knew how to get in there. And then that way he wasn't having to carry tools and stuff around constantly. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That's my thought. Nancy sees some of the gold feathers that were on the wall missing and remembers that when Jacques said he would remove a piece and would look behind it, he would put it back. So she realizes that that there's a niche in the wall and it's been uncovered and it's empty. Somebody got those letters. And it was not Jacques because he always cleaned up after himself. He did every time. So... The girls rush to Mark and Christy and explain what's going on, and they get pass keys to start searching everyone's rooms. They start with Professor Hotchkiss, and they don't find anything. Next to his room is Lisa's, and lo and behold, they find the book. Even though Lisa had said earlier she only knew Spanish, it's probably a lie. So they keep searching through her stuff and they find the letters in her camera bag hidden away. So they take them back to their room. Nancy begins translating them and the letters are from someone named Rochelle who possibly worked for Marie Antoinette. She talks about how Marie hid her biggest diamond from the revolutionaries and Nancy thinks that it's hidden in the chandelier that's in the gold room. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So they rush back. Bess and George stay in the locker room to distract Lisa if she comes in from the slopes because at this point they don't know if she's out skiing or what the scenario is because this is happening during the day. So, I mean, there could be a chance that she's out on the slopes. Nancy goes up into the tower and standing on Jacques' ladder underneath the chandelier is Lisa with a huge diamond in her hand. Yep. She lunges at Nancy. So we find out, obviously, Lisa was behind everything except for the stair that George fell through, which we later find out was actually Dexter. But not for bad reasons. He didn't want to hurt anybody, 
but he thought that they were investigating him and he didn't want to get fired for his past. Mm -hmm. Dude, you went about it the wrong way, but you know, whatevs. (laughs) (laughs) Lisa is caught. Uh, Mark and Christy want to be able to give the diamond and the letters back to France because that's where they belong. Essentially. I mean, it's historical artifacts. And Jacques wants uh, Professor Hotchkiss to work on translating and publishing the letters. Lisa gets sent to jail. Uh, This is going to drum up a lot of business for the ski resort and the castle together. Everybody healed from the injuries that they had. Like, all is well at that point. And they need to get their liabilities under control and figured out. Because that could be even more bad news if there's a lot more people yeah yeah no that's a good point that's definitely a good point um this yeah this book definitely showed a lot of examples of where they could be sued (laughs) uh it's not like that necessarily in the game but i mean yeah this like i said before i think this was a really strong game and book um if one or the other didn't exist and only one existed. I mean, either one would be a good choice because they're strong stories. Um, I mean, I don't know about you all, but this one rates pretty highly for me. I really like this one. It's a good one. Now I have a question. Okay, I'm ready. You know, in the game at the end, when Lisa and Nancy, Lisa takes off running down the stairs with the gem. Yep. And Nancy hits the button and Lisa gets trapped. Mm Mm-hmm. How does she not break her legs like how we thought George would have? I mean, that's an excellent question. Um, I think that's just something that they didn't think all the way through um, because I feel like your average person would absolutely break a bone or multiple bones. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. I mean, I guess other than that, you know, uh, another solid book. Definitely could see why they decided to make a game out of this one. Uh, I feel like some of the books that we've read already can definitely not be turned into a game just because they're not as strong or don't have quite as many details or don't move as fast, if that makes sense. Um, But I think this one was an excellent choice to make a game after. I agree. And um, if our listeners haven't checked it out before, uh, someone did a kind of remastered, air quotes, version of walking through Wickford Castle on a different game engine, and it is chef's kiss beautiful. So I encourage everyone to check that out. It's on YouTube, easy to find. And yeah, uh, like Alexa said, you know, if you're interested, go back. Um, lots of episodes in, the, in our past and listen to where we discuss this game. <laughs> and the interview I did with Justin S. Barrett, who voiced yeah. Jock. Yeah. So that's a wrap for this one. I yeah. Think. Uh, next time we'll be discussing um, the Eskimo Secret. Uh, yep. Is that number 76? Yep. Okay. So, uh, once again, continuing on with the wintry kind of theme, 
I don't know about where all our listeners are at, but uh, here in Kentucky, we're still kind of in the depths of winter. We've had a lot of rain lately, but it's it's starting to get cold again. Yeah, it's not cold here, of, too. Yeah, we're not out of the woods yet. So <laughs> just one of those yeah. things. Selsa, thank you for joining. And I think she's going to be back with us next week. Okay. So hopefully without all these technical things going on, but... All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening and uh, all right, bye-bye. <laughs> Bye guys. You can find us on Instagram at River Heights Buzz. You can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, the River Heights Buzz podcast, Central Buzz. And you can follow us on Twitter at River Heights Buzz with just one Z. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to keep an eye out for our next episode.